You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. Hello, everyone. A quick reminder that in addition to our daily podcast, we also publish a daily news brief that you can subscribe to and have delivered via email every day. It's a great companion piece to the daily podcast with dozens of links to all the day's cybersecurity news. So do check it out and subscribe over on our website. That's thecyberwire.com. It's the Cyberwire Daily News Brief at thecyberwire.com. Thanks. Emotet ramped up for Black Friday, so beware of the spam. Social engineering and the power grid. Industrial espionage resurfaces as an issue in Sino-American relations. Huawei remains unforgiven in Washington. We talk about China's emerging social credit system. Bottom-up social control in the U.S. First they came for the dog walkers. Making a Dutch book on social media. Russia tightens internet laws. And the U.S. Army learns some lessons in a good way from Joint Task Force Ares. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, November 26, 2018. Emotet ramped up phishing attacks last week. Its Black Friday spam delivered malicious XML files with a .doc extension. And this, as We Live Security points out, is a bit of a departure for this criminal enterprise. Phishing is, of course, a matter of great concern to consumers during this season. It's important to recall, however, that this particular form of social engineering is also a preferred tactic of threat actors who've gone after power grids. ICS security firm Noveta is reminding people that the hackers who took down portions of the Ukrainian power grid started with phishing. The recent Liberty Eclipse exercise conducted on Plum Island, New York, indicated that there are ways of restarting a power distribution system that's been taken down. It's called a black start. And Control Global's blog points out that the exercise, while small, seems to have yielded scalable results. But Control Global also urges further work to see whether such recovery would be possible in the event of sensor compromise. The U.S. trade representative has taken official notice of more Chinese hacking as trade tensions intensify. This is widely regarded as placing China in breach of the agreement made during the Obama administration to cut back industrial espionage. The U.S. is urging its allies on security grounds to steer clear of Huawei. Huawei, which some see as caught in the middle of a trade dispute, professes itself surprised by this unfavorable treatment by American authorities, but the U.S. security warnings seem to be gaining some traction. 
To stay with news affecting China, the city of Beijing plans to bring each of its 22 million citizens under a social credit system, aggregating and scoring each individual's actions and reputation. If you've been behaving and are well thought of, life will be easier. If not, you'll be unable to move a step, as Bloomberg's report puts it. The capital city's program is the forerunner of one envisioned for the country as a whole, a kind of mark of the beast as reconceptualized for big data. Imagine a panopticon mashup of a credit bureau, a moderated Twitter mob, a Yelp for human beings, and traffic cameras. One of the social debits that will cost you, like points on a life license, is failure to clean up after your dog. And it's not just Beijing either. Recently, a prominent business leader, Dong Mingzhu, she's the president of China's leading maker of air conditioners, was publicly shamed in the city of Ningbo for asocial behavior. At three and a half million people, Ningbo isn't in the big leagues of China's cities, but still large enough. The Ningbo police quickly retracted and apologized for the shaming, when various people pointed out to them that the image that led them to Ding Dong was in fact just her face on an advertisement plastered to the side of a passing bus. So they're sorry, and it would be easy to laugh this one off as just the vicissitudes of still maturing biometric technology, if it weren't for the way it revealed the extent and ambitions of social control. Consider this: the face on the passing bus was interpreted as crossing a street outside the crosswalk and against the light. That's right. The full technical capability of Ningbo's law enforcement was brought to bear on a jaywalking charge. Think about that. It's also, according to multiple reports, a lifelong score, a bit similar to a U.S. credit score, but harder to improve and more comprehensive in its effect. As piloted in the city of Rongcheng, you start with a score of 1,000 points. You can earn some points by, say, donating blood. But you'll lose them for quarreling with your neighbors, or yes, jaywalking. Spreading rumors online will cost you 50 points. A good score gets you discounts, free cable channels, and invites to community events. A bad one can keep you from booking a train ride or getting a promotion at work. Much grimmer than this is the comprehensive surveillance and control deployed in both human and technical forms. To constrain China's largely Muslim Uyghur minority in the western part of the country, as Spiegel reports, there it's not just a matter of getting free cable. For the Uyghurs, suspicion will land you in a re-education camp. Lest we think that these things are confined to China, or even to authoritarian regimes in general, or that a social credit system couldn't evolve from the bottom up, consider Predictum. A screening service that scans thousands of social media posts to score a potential hire for babysitting or dog walking services, and again, dogs. We don't know what's up with that. With a risk rating for a variety of traits parents are likely to worry about: drug abuse, bullying, harassment, disrespect, or possession of a bad attitude. The service, according to the Washington Post and its own site, uses advanced artificial intelligence. To analyze a prospective babysitter's social media to derive its scores, how long this is likely to remain uncontroversial is unclear, and parents are, of course, entitled—heck, they're obliged—to protect their children. But consider how Twitter's opaque reasons for suspending accounts have aroused suspicion and mistrust. In any case, 
Analysis of individual behavior online is what's landed Facebook into the parliamentary hot water it finds itself in over in the UK. Authorities have obtained Facebook internal documents they intend to use in quizzing the social network at hearings tomorrow in Westminster. They're equally concerned with privacy and providing a platform for proscribed communications, especially terrorist content, concerns that would seem to be in mutual tension. Stung by the outing of GRU officers involved in the Salisbury nerve agent attack, Russia is tightening control over personal information. A draft law before the Duma would criminalize the unauthorized creation and publication of databases drawn from official sources. Another regulation would increase penalties imposed on firms that fail to observe requirements to delete certain search results, share encryption keys with security services, or store all data maintained about Russian citizens on servers located in Russia. General Igor Korobov, director of Russia's GRU since 2016, has died at the age of 62 after what the defense ministry called a long and serious illness. His deputy, Vice Admiral Igor Kostyuov, who's filled in for General Korobov during his illness, will serve as interim director. As the BBC mentioned in their account of the change, Admiral Kostyuov is also known for his earlier role commanding Russian forces in Syria. The U.S. Army, drawing lessons from participation in Joint Task Force Ares, is working to push tailored cyber capabilities down to brigade level. As Fifth Domain reports, the brigades are likely to see task-organized cyber packages chopped to them based on mission and area of operations. In U.S. Army practice, the brigade is the tactically interesting level of organization, and a decision to place cyber operators under brigade control indicates that the Army thinks it has both the need for and the ability to use such capabilities on the battlefield. Watch for this. If brigades routinely show up for their National Training Center rotations with cyber teams attached, and if the opposing force at Fort Irwin shows a credible suite of cyber capabilities, then you'll know the Army is serious in its intent. Joint Task Force Ares, you'll recall, is the U.S. Cyber Operations Task Force deployed against ISIS and similar groups. If Fort Leavenworth would like to tell us more about the lessons the Army believes it's learned, we're all ears. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire.
And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, and he's also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, great to have you back. It's good to be back, Dave. So uh, you recently attended the NICE conference and uh, came back with some interesting things to share. Uh, what do you have for us this week? Yes. Uh, the, the one I wanted to talk about this week was the closing keynote from Raj Samani. Mm-hmm. He's uh, a big wig at McAfee. Okay. Um, and one of the things he said that resonated with me was we don't have a cybersecurity's skills gap. What we have is a courage shortage. Go on. Meaning that companies are not willing to take the risks they need to go out and find the people that need to, that can possibly fill these positions. Mm. And he says that there are people out there who can fill these positions. And this is something I've been saying for a while now, mm. is that um, when a company starts looking for a cybersecurity professional, you can't put a job posting up that says we have an entry-level cybersecurity position and you have to have a CISSP to be considered. Right. Okay. A CISSP is not an entry-level credential. You have to have five years of experience to have that credential, to even hold the credential. Mm -hmm. If you think about how long cybersecurity has been a career field, right, maybe 15 years, Yeah. right, somebody who is in the career for five years is not entry-level. Somebody who's been in this job in this career for two years is no longer entry-level. Hmm. Entry-level is going to have to start meaning entry-level. No experience required. Hmm. Okay? Fresh out of college. Fresh out of college. Maybe not even college. Yeah. But I have an idea, Okay. and I'd like to share it. Okay. If you are a company and you're looking for cybersecurity talent at the entry-level, I make this suggestion to you. Hmm. Talk to your vendors who sell you your pr- cybersecurity products and, and tell them, we're having a hard time filling entry-level positions. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to give me seats for training for free. Your most basic training for free so I can distribute that to people who might have an aptitude for your product. Hmm. Okay? And if they have if they have a training and, a, and, a, and an assessment test or if there is a, a, another test like maybe a Prometric test that you can go and you can sit for the test, Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly that can be some cost that could be absorbed by uh, the employee. But then you put an ad in the paper that says entry-level cybersecurity, no experience necessary. And when the interviewees come in, you tell them that you're going to give them this course, which they're going to take on their own time, and they're going to take a test. And if they pass the test, you're going to give them a job. Hmm. And the job is only guaranteed for like six months. Okay. right? And it's a low-paying job maybe $15 an hour. Right. There are people out there, who I think, who will jump at this opportunity. Mm. They would love to get into the field of cybersecurity. There's no shortage of people telling other people that cybersecurity is the place to be, 
Uh, there's no shortage of people that want to get into this field. What there is a shortage of is companies that are willing to invest in employees who might be able to fill the roles. Yeah. I, I hear this all the time. People uh, reach out to me on Twitter and, and other social media things, and they say, how do I get – it's this, this catch-22. Right. Right? Absolutely. I want to I want to get into the field, but everybody's saying in order to get in the field, I have to already have five years of experience in the field. This is why we have the gap. Right, and, that, and that's the thing. And yet they're saying – companies are saying, we can't find anybody to hire. Well – And I'm not saying you lower your standards. I'm saying you've got to look in other places that you haven't traditionally looked. Right. There are quality people out there who want to have these positions. They just don't have the – Five years of experience that you're looking for. These could be the best people out there. Yeah. So you assess whether or not they're good enough, right, by take by having them take some kind of assessment test and training. Give them a few months of it on a trial basis. Give them a few months on a trial basis, and who knows, you may find the next cybersecurity superstar. All right. Well, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting possibility. I mean, for sure, uh, there needs to be some creative solutions to this problem. That's correct. And this is just a cursory, you know, brainstorming idea. I mean, I'm not saying that that I have the complete total answer. You're going to have to spend a little bit of time, come up with a, a plan. Yeah. But here's a skeleton for you. Right, right. All right, Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Karu Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. 
visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.